Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about USC football. Yes, guys are out there. There's helmets, there's pads, there's hitting. We have football to talk about here on the Peristyle Podcast. If you have any questions for us, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave a voicemail a couple different ways. Call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. Uh, on iTunes, you can go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. You can subscribe to the show there. We're on Google Play. We're on Audio Boom. We're on Stitcher Radio, a lot of different ways to get a hold of us. Without further ado, let's bring in the coach. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing, man? Well, buddy, it's a beautiful Monday. It's going to be a little warm today, but you know it's always warmer somewhere else and colder somewhere else. and Everybody's got to do a little rehabbing, so I've done a little rehabbing, so I'll be ready to play. Excuse me, I have a little sinuses today, too, guys. You know, when you get to... Game time, you got a lot of different things going on, uh, little tweaks here and little tweaks there, but I'll be ready to play. Coach, a little banged up from uh, coming out to practice, I guess. Got a little banged up. You know, I was getting <laughs> rehab on my back, and the therapist said, now don't do anything stupid. So, you know, I really wasn't listening, I guess. And I went out there, and I stood for a long period of time, and it put a lot of pressure on the back, so I stiffened up again, so I had to start all over again. So that's why... I was there Thursday, but I missed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But I'm going to be there today in the Coliseum because there's places to sit down, and the parking is much closer uh, when you drive in there. So we'll be able to uh, – I'll get in a good uh, uh, view of the Trojans today when they're in their first day of pads. Yeah, it's, it's – you know, for, if you've not been out there, and the fans come out to practice too, uh, you are standing the whole time, and you're in the sun. And it's, not, uh, it's not the most comfortable – place to be all the time so uh yeah there's not really seats but when you go to the coliseum uh practice there are you can sit in the stands and everything so it's a little bit it should be a little bit better but yeah it's uh it's it kind of gets you know it's a toll on you and i'm up there filming and stuff too holding the camera up or you know the big camera and everything so it's a no woe is me kind of thing but you know you're out there for three and a half hours or something it's uh, it can wear on you it does wear on you one thing that's good though ryan Got to see all the guys again. They're all back off vacation. They're all fired up. It was great out there Thursday, wasn't it, with all the media and everybody there? It was. It was a big day. And uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts on the first day of, of fall camp. And want to thank our sponsor first, though, Southern California Tickets. So if you need tickets for anything, uh, you want to see the Dodgers, they're trying to make a playoff run. You want to see the Angels that aren't doing very well or whatever is going on in Southern California across the country, go to sctickets.com. Or give him a call, 1-800-888-7287. Uh, ask for Curtis over there and tell him Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. And they'll uh, they'll take care of you. They've been good to us for many, many years. So thanks to Southern California Tickets. And Coach, yeah, so Thursday you were out there the first day. Um, it was the craziest day. So there wasn't really a lot of room to even move around because there were so many media there. There was tons of 
television trucks and, and you know news everybody was out there basically on that day it's it's certainly backed off a little bit since then but it was kind of a crazy day out there for usc football and a really deep you know it looked like a much fuller squad with all the the players out there the new freshmen the transfers everybody that was out there it just looked more like a real team since really probably since 2010 when the sanctions hit Brian, i agree with you yeah, first of all, it's the first day of practice. And when you're at the first day of practice, everybody's fired up and you're competitive and you're looking forward to the season, just like we were as far as in the media area and and all of that. So uh, I, I try not to get the hype of that. I, I try to really what I do is to take a look at the players and evaluate their talent, watch the coaching that's going on. And you heard me talk to you about a couple of the new players that I was impressed with as far as watching and uh, two or three days later coach Helton came out and, and said the same thing I did that I told you on Monday and a couple of players uh, it was great to see it as, as as the depth of the team it certainly does show as you mentioned numbers and I think numbers are something that's so important but the type of numbers you have that is important it's not just having 50 players and 30 guys that can't play. Uh, when I looked at the talent and evaluated the talent, I would say 75% of the talent can play really well. I would say then there's the tweeners above that, and then there's the guys that you have there to help you become a better football team that are good guys, that are proud to be out there, proud to be practicing, probably will never play a minute of the game, but they give you 100% effort. And then I try to look and compare the talent with the schedule. And you try to go down through the schedule and you think of Alabama, Utah State, Stanford, Utah, Arizona State. You look at the talent and you say, and you've heard me every year say, I wouldn't change USC's talent with anybody. You've heard me say that year after year after year. Well, again, here I go again telling you I think they've got the best talent in the league. I'm not talking about the top. Starters in every position, I'm talking about the roster. I would say the roster as far as size, team speed, uh, the quality of the players, uh, they've got, to, I can't imagine a roster in the conference being better as far as total, uh, total players as far as competition wise. All great talent. And you know as well as I do when we look at the receivers, if you were to change the numbers around, you'd have trouble telling who's who. You really would. Now, Juju, of course, uh, we'd all know who he is. But if you moved all the numbers around and they came out with different numbers on, you'd have to spend some time trying to figure out who's who. Uh, Some of the freshman players out there are absolutely fantastic. They're competing. They don't look like young players. This kid, E.J. Price, what a talented big kid he is. It's 6'6", 295, playing left tackle. He's coordinated for a big guy. He's not clumsy. He can do the U-block. He can pull. He gets into a guy. He keeps his feet moving. You You can look at talent, and you're able to tell when a kid can play young. So that's what I did when I was out there. In fact, I was standing next to you, and I looked at the running back. We were looking way across the field, but I think it was you I was standing next to, and we were talking about Malapiai, the new running back from Hawaii. Yeah. And I said to you, if he was, if I was 
Coach Helton. I'd take him and make him my fullback because you'd have a fullback that's a great running back. You could bulk him up a little bit, put 10 pounds, 15 pounds on him, and, man, what a great player he would be because after he touches the ball or catches the ball, he's a running back, not just a blocking big guy. And uh, because you've got to get your great players on the field. Tight end-wise, I like because they threw the ball down the middle of the field. And most of the times with the tight ends, they're using them as receivers in the seam routes where they put the uh, stress on the safety and the corner and the linebackers as far as where they're going to hit these guys quickly down the middle of the field to put a lot of pressure on the secondary. So I, I like the first practice. Uh, I thought it was very enthusiastic. Uh, I thought they accomplished something. They got better. The only criticism I have, and I told you standing there, so it's not like anything, I think they have too many people standing around during special teams. You only have so many hours that you can be on the field with your kids. And sometimes during the special teams, like they're teaching the punt or punt block or whatever, Sometimes, I'm not saying always, the quarterbacks are down doing things at times. You have three-quarters of the team just standing there watching. And I don't know if that's utilizing your time to the best interest in the improvement of the football team. But I've never seen a team give more time in practice than USC to the special teams, Ryan. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a John Baxter thing. He can certainly lobby uh, his, you know, veteran uh coach out there he can lobby for for more time and i think you know in the other practices that first one it seemed to be a little bit more standing around i think the the subsequent ones coach uh there's still some guys standing around during those periods but there's it's a little more you know uh movement and there's there's guys doing stuff but they still uh there's still a lot of time dedicated uh to special teams and uh you know it'll be interesting to see if that pays off i mean you special teams can be a weapon of course, and, and, you know, it could be a difference maker in games. I think traditionally over the years in the Pete Carroll era, I mean, special teams wasn't really emphasized that much. Um, so I'll be interested to see what it looks like. Um, if they do have a, a big advantage on special teams, cause that can help you, especially in a game like an Alabama, where if you want to say, you know, that's a, a super talented squad, they might have an edge in offense and defense. If you can get an edge on special teams, that could be the difference in the game. Oh, I agree 100%. You have three parts of a, a football team, and that's the offense, the defense, and the special teams, and they've all got to uh, perform. And you can't let one area of it let you down because it really hurts the other two, uh, two, th- two-thirds excuse me, of your football team. So I agree 100%. I, I just was – I'm glad that you told me, because I haven't been – I'm glad that you told me uh, the other practices there wasn't such a large group just watching what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and one thing you kind of notice too is with the, the deeper squad now, there's less starters, uh, that are, that are on the special team. So you have a lot of guys that are, uh, and Clay Helton said this too. If, if, if a lot of these freshmen can play, uh, and they can play on special teams and contribute, like they won't redshirt. They'll get in there and do stuff. So I think, you know, they don't, they won't rely on having a bunch of the starting defense, like, you know, covering punts. Like you've seen in years past, it's a, it's a deeper squad and you might be able to get the, you know, the backup or the third string, you know, linebacker on and on this play instead of the starting, you know, will linebacker. So I think that's going to be one difference too with special teams this year for USC that the depth, you'll, it'll allow some of the guys that are further down 
on the depth chart to get in there and contribute. I agree. But as I mentioned, the roster is very talented. But again, I'd certainly consider redshirting some of these great players because you certainly uh, need this type of returning teams for the future. The uh, any of the, I mean, you mentioned EJ Price. Um, you know, the big uh, he's been the backup left tackle through the first few practices. Um, you know, any uh, other freshman that kind of stood out to you that you thought, wow, that 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 guy's going to be a contributor. Well, I like the speed of Jones. This kid, uh, where's he from? Alabama or or uh, Forget his name. Oh, Velas Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's really he's really fast. Now I only saw him catch. I think it was a corner route out of the slot. But man, when he caught that football, he was gone. And now I haven't seen him. Uh, as far as I understand, they're using him on kickoff returns and punt returns, or giving him a shot at it. But he demonstrated to me the type of team speed you need to have to play the game of football. Uh, I wasn't able to see. Many others, they look good in their uniforms. Now, don't get me get me wrong. They look good in their uniforms. Like, I didn't have a chance to see Frank Martin at all. I don't know if you've had a chance to evaluate him or not. Uh, I liked uh, Fatu, the uh, nose guard from Long Beach City College, because he's about six foot, 320 pounds. I'm guessing on his weight. Maybe he's not six foot. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, maybe he's not six foot, but he's the type of guy that will give the center a headache, okay? And and I think that's what you need to do. You know you never can take for granted that you're going to drive him off the ball because if you're a taller center, it's very difficult to get underneath and block a strong, shorter guy. It's very difficult. And I didn't have a chance to see the kid from Utah because he wasn't out there yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing him today. But he reminds me of the same type of player was last year at Utah I believe he led the defensive line in fumble recoveries and causing fumbles. So that's the kind of guy you need on the nose, along with Daniels, to give the guy a headache, the center, a headache every down. Yeah, that's uh, Stevie Tuikolovatu, and he's definitely been out there um, making his presence felt. He, he kind of looks a little like Antoine Woods, but you know Dan Weber told me yesterday that it's more like Woods. It was, I, I think he thought... Uh, Kolovatu is kind of thicker. Woods was maybe wider. Um, but he's, he made a great play. They were doing a lot of, uh, uh, goal line and, and red zone, you know, run plays, inside run plays, power plays. And he came and just, you know, shed his block right away and just buried the, the, the ball carrier in the backfield. So he's, uh, he's one of those guys, you know, him, between him and Josh Fatu. And they move uh, Khalil Rogers over from the offensive side of the football. They're you know three kind of veterans on this interior defensive line that they really they really could use because it's so many guys graduated from last year. But you bring those three guys over, and it's just kind of an instant uh, maturity added to that spot. And they should help the the younger guys like Noah Jefferson and Jacob Daniel and Rasheem Green, who are all you know true sophomores that are going to have to play a lot or start or whatever. Uh, instead of those guys being like the, the, the vet, quote unquote veterans with Kenny Bigelow going down, you bring those new guys over and I think it should help a lot. I agree with you 100%. Plus, they bring a lot of maturity. They're older and the young guys look to them for leadership. And the young guys, though, Ryan, let's remember they're talented. They're all four and five star guys. So these guys have just got to step up and be good early and play three years and, 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 then hope, hope maybe move on. But right now, 
they got to think about what they got accomplished this year, and you got to build confidence in them, which I know they are. You got to not talk about the lack of strength or depth and the question mark of the defensive line. You got to turn a negative to a positive, and you got to have these guys believing they're good. And then you got to cover them up a little bit with your linebackers. But I think uh, Coach will be able to do that. And, and, and you don't hear him saying that. It's just a concern that all the media is talking about. And occasionally Coach Helton has to address it because he's asked a question. But, uh, you know, I, I think everything's going to be all right. I'm going to take, get, you know, just get on the field and do your job and, and we'll get it done. All right, let's, uh, we got a question for you, coach. Um, a voicemail question. It's kind of two parts. I'll play the first part and pause and then we'll get your answer. Then we'll go to the next one. So, uh, here's the question. Yes. Hi. I have an offensive and defensive question. Um, what do you think about naming Brown the starter and Darnold, if he's right there with Brown, the co-starter? John Robinson did it in 1995 with Otten Waholtz. And all they did was beat Northwestern in the 1996 Rose Bowl game on the defense. So that's, uh, I'll stop it right there, coach. And I'll, I'll just remind the, the caller that 2013, they tried that with <laughs> Cody Kessler and Max Wittick and it didn't work out so well. And Lane Kiffin ended up getting fired after the first couple of games didn't have a starter. So just to preface that, yeah, maybe it worked in 96, but it definitely didn't work in 2013. Now in 96, was that Brad, Brad Otten? And Waholtz, yeah. Right, but if I remember correctly in the Rose Bowl game, now correct me if I'm right, wrong, but I think Brad Otten played the entire game. I think he, I think you're right, yeah. And uh, Keyshawn Johnson got the MVP of the Rose Bowl, but Brad said he's the one that threw him all the balls. He should have been co-MVP, and I agree with him. You know, I mean, someone's got to throw him the balls, and I'm not saying Keyshawn didn't deserve it, but I really believe that it's very difficult to have co-starters. A team's got to have a leader. A team has got to look to that guy as this is the guy that's going to take us down the, the field. And when he talks to us in the huddle or if he talks to us and calls an audible, we've got the confidence in him delivering. And uh, I think it's difficult, yet when you have two talented quarterbacks, and they are talented, don't get me wrong now when I say this, because I watch them practice out there. They're both very talented quarterbacks. Uh, then you do, you know, you do not want to hurt uh, your chances of keeping them both on the team. So you have to be very careful, too, that, as we all know, Max could transfer if he's not named a starter, and you'd hate to see that happen. So I think you really have to be careful how you handle it, but I believe it's Max's job to lose. I've been saying this all along. I think he should be named a starter as soon as possible. Sam Darnold knows if he's better than him. Sam Darnold's got to keep practicing and pushing him. But again, if he gets his opportunity, if Max gets hurt or something doesn't go right and goes into the game, he's got to know it's his position to keep. And uh, I think you can do this and justify this with the entire team because of the number of years that Max has been waiting for his turn. All right. Well, that's the first part of his question, Coach. I'm going to give you play the second part, the defensive part. Defensive side, uh, while most are focusing on the D-line, my uh, concern runs equally equally in the secondary. Uh, last year, uh, USA gave up way too many passing yards on playing that super cushion 
gap coverage on the co- and the corners uh, were only playing the receivers on the deep pass and not looking for the ball. Has Pendergrass addressed those issues? And uh, this secondary plays so well man-to-man with the talent they have, it became so exhausting watching the other teams get first downs on third and 18. Thanks. Fight on. Dan from Maryland. Thank you very much, John. No, I agree. I know what you're saying. You can't play man defense all day without putting pressure on the quarterback. I don't care who you are or how good you are. You can't cover a guy all day because that guy is going to find an open area. And, and defenses, offenses work all the time that uh, find the open area and I'll throw the ball to it. They work on that all the time. When the linebackers are gone or an area is open in the field because somebody's blitzing or stunning, well, they work on that. Or they audibleize to the quick route. So if you're going after somebody, you got to get there. Remember, it's very difficult to get their quarterback uh, in a two-second route when the quarterback just throws the ball right now in the seam or throws the ball on a slant or an out. So you've got to be able to play man defense, and you've got to be able to come up and cover tight because you understand this is what they're going to do to you. Now, when you go after a guy, then you got to get that guy. You've got to force them out of being able to show the uh, or throw the quick routes. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that they are suited for a man coverage team, and I like that that Clancy goes after people. But I like that style of of football. I don't want them ever to take me for granted that they know what I'm going to be doing. I like to mix things up on them. Occasional zone is good too. And, uh, you know, you don't want the quarterback coming out and looking, oh, same thing, we know what to do here. you got to disguise things and, and line up a little bit differently and do some things where you're just not taken for granted as far as what you're going to be running. So, you know, I, I think they're a man team. I think they'll play probably 80% man the entire year. At least they have the talent to do that. I think you're right, and uh, we saw it work really well. Uh, against UCLA last year and the secondary players were so excited that they got to play man and uh, it seemed to work really well. So we'll see how that aggressiveness works this year. I think it's going to be a, a big difference maker for USC. Um, John and Brea wrote in coach. He said, I wish I could bottle up coach Hyde's passion for football and sell it outside the Coliseum with a bacon wrapped hot dog. Those are great, by the way. I love those bacon wrapped hot dogs. Uh, it's so fun to listen to you talk about USC football and coaching. When you were a head coach, did you have a preference for which coordinator coached from the press box and who coached from the sideline? It seemed to me it makes more sense to have the offensive coordinator in the booth. Uh, which way do you think Clay Helton will go, and does it really matter? Thanks for your time. Beat the tide, John and Brea. Well, you know, on offense, it's more or less like playing chess. You don't want to get distracted. You don't want people standing in front of you. Uh, you there's a lot of commotion on the sideline. A lot of commotion. Uh, quarterbacks uh, uh, need to be tutored. Uh, they need to be spoken to. The entire offense, when it comes off the field, needs to be gathered up and uh, spoken to, not just, uh, you know, uh, uh, walking off the field and no one going over to them. But I always felt that the coordinator, offensive coordinator, should be in the press box, okay? I, I've always felt that way, but he's got to stay calm. He's got to see the field. He's got to be able to send down to the play caller the play, tell him what to look for, tell him what the audible would be, uh, call two plays at once, knowing that if this doesn't happen, I'm going to that. 
and why that play didn't work because he could see where the tackle came from and what might be open. So I always felt you were more calmer in the press box and you have to be calm as an offensive coordinator. I always felt that the defensive coordinator should be on the field. Now, why I want a guy, you don't always have to turn your hat around, but I want a guy that's angry. I want a guy that's in their face. I want a guy that if you miss a tackle or you're not running the right defense or you come off the field and you gave up an easy score because of a breakdown, can pull them together, can tell them what they need to do, tell them that they're better than the other guys. Don't let them have the easy score. We got to get a turnover. This is where we are in the game. We get a turnover, we win this game. We stop them on this drive, we're going to win this game. You've got to have a guy there that they look to every day that they believe in what he's saying. You can't turn over the defense on game day to someone that isn't in charge like every day at practice and every meeting. So I've always felt that the defensive coordinator should be on the field to make the necessary adjustments because it's hard. You don't have enough time sometimes to call down and talk to your linebacker coach, talk to your defensive line coach, and so on, second, and make all adjustments. You go over to the huddle. You get out on one knee. The coaches are right there, too, and you're talking to everybody. And then when you break from that, then those coaches go and explain to their players what you just told them. So they get a second one. Uh, a second opinion from their coaches, and the coaches know what the adjustments are. So the coaches can watch the adjustments and make sure the proper calls are there and all of the above. Same with the special teams coach. I think he should always be on the field, too, to make the necessary adjustments and be next to uh, the head coach. You know, Coach, uh, are we punting if we don't make this or not? Why? The punt team should always be ready. The punt team should start to get ready on second down going into third down. So you have all 11 guys. So if you're going to punt the ball, they go in as a unit. It isn't like, oh, we got nine guys. or Oh, we got, who's missing? A delay game. Hey, they sprint on the field. And they line up before the other team can get their guys on the field if they're making changes personnel-wise like you are. So I think special teams guys should be on the field always next to the head coach knowing exactly are we going for a field goal? Okay, we're going to go for a field goal in this situation. We don't need a touchdown. Get the field goal team ready. Get them right next to you. And when he says field goal, they go in, all 11 of them. And there isn't somebody delaying the game or whatever's going on. You remind them of the type of block you might see. You remind them of all the things you worked on all week. And you send them in the, on the field. So that's the way I look at as far as the offense and defense. And, of course, I just told you about special teams, Coach, which you didn't ask that question. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, we had a couple more for you, then we'll let you go, Coach. Uh, you, you talked about this a little bit already, but Tark wants to know, is the quarterback competition, do you think it's even, or is Max Brown ahead right now? You know, my honest opinion, I think it's even. I really think Sam Don Don Donaldson done a great job. I really do. I mean, but I, you know, you're at more practices than I am, Ryan. I mean, I only saw one practice. Now, maybe one of them has stood out more of the other practices. I'll know more today. But it is a difficult decision. But as I said earlier, if they're even, Max Brown is the starter. You've got to be better. You've got to be better. 
because Max deserves to start the game. He's older, he's more mature, he's been around the program, he understands it more. So that's my feeling on that. If they're even, even, uh, Max Brown's a starter. Yeah, I would say it's pretty close, uh, just from, from watching. And, you know, it's hard to, to say exactly, but they're both getting opportunities, uh, with the first team. And so you kind of move it around. And so sometimes you're playing with a second team against a first team defense. And, um, you know, you might, maybe you don't look quite as good, but they, you know, they feel really strong about the offensive line that even the second string offensive line is, is, you know, as good as the first. So at least there's that. And you got a lot of skill guys. So, you know, Working with the second string offense shouldn't be that big of a, a disadvantage, but they've, you know, they've both got to work with the first string. Um, I think both been, you know, pretty impressive at times. If, you know, both have had a few miscues, but I think for the most part, uh, playing really well. And I think it's more about because Sam Darnold's playing as well as he is, that's why it makes it a difficult choice. And, um, but I agree with you. I think if it's, you know, unless Sam Darnold's, you know, pretty clear, maybe not super clear, but, you know, pretty clearly, the number one guy, uh, I, I think they'll probably name Max Brown the starter. You know, we just don't know what's going to go on. It's going to be a Clay Helton decision. We talked to Tyson Helton yesterday about it. And, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, my job's easy. I just have to get both of these guys ready. Clay Helton's job is harder. He's the one that has to pick. So it doesn't seem like they're, they're all that close, you know, much closer, but you know, we're a little less than two weeks away, I guess, from. Uh, them naming the starter and the entire two deep depth chart. So that'll be interesting, of course, when that, when that all goes down. Uh, but yeah, coach, I, I would say, I mean, you look at them, I, I don't look at one and go, wow, that guy's way better than the other one. I think it's pretty close. And because of the reasons you said, if it's close, probably go with Max Brown. Well, I agree with you, Ryan. And right now we're just starting camp. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now one last one for you. We got Lamar from Lancaster. He says, hello, Trojan fans. I don't think it's too early. But I want to dive right in and talk about the first game analytics. Alabama has a very good defensive end that will pose a problem on the USC pass offense. I would like to ask the coach if he would be, if it would be a good thing to either double team him in obvious passing situations and run right at him on uh, initial downs to keep him honest. Uh, what do you think? Lamar from Lancaster. Well, you know, you've got to, you've got to, uh, anticipate how you can put him in a position where he doesn't have an advantage uh, by the way you set your formations, by the way you, uh, you attack their defense, if he's the guy you're, you're fearful of. But again, you've got to be able to run your offense and run your defense. You can't become uh, what you call formation and have tendencies in the game, because obviously don't make those adjustments immediately. But you've got to be able to play it straight when you start the game to see if your guy can handle everybody. You've got to see and you've got to tell everybody and they've been looking at films the entire. In fact, this weekend I watched again the national championship game with Alabama and Clemson just to watch what they're doing. And uh, you've got to be able to evaluate all the personnel and who's going to be playing. And you've got to say, you know, this guy's a toss-up. We're a toss We can handle him. We can handle him. And again, you don't want to have your offensive linemen lose confidence in their abilities against guys. So you want to be able to say it's going to be a great game for you. This is the film that all the NFL scouts are going to look at. So, you know, you're going to battle this dude, and if you block this dude, you know, they're going to look at you and say, hey, you know what? This kid at SC is a pretty good player. And I would start, you know, selling that. 
so that people understand that now, of course, as the game goes along, you have in your mind ways of controlling them with double teams or chip-off blocks with the backs. You go to two back sets, or you set the tight end that way, and you, and you try to, you know, double-team them or do different things. So, you know, I, I don't like to start a game saying someone's better than we are. I like saying they've got some dangerous guys, and it's a great challenge to block these type of guys because this is the film the NFL scouts are going to look at. And this is the film that's going to go around the nation as far as the exchanging of films, which is our first game of the year. So I know they're great players. they got a lot of great players. I got them number one in my poll, which I'm going to announce here shortly, as far as for this coming season because of who they are. But it's a great challenge for USC. They've had great challenges before in their opening game. So, you know, let's find out what happens. Remember, you still have to play the game. And uh, this is why we're all looking forward to it. And we are looking forward to it, Coach. And uh was looking forward to this this podcast because I wanted to get your thoughts. I always like it when you can come out to practice and share your thoughts on what's going on. And I'm looking forward to seeing you out there a little bit later today, Coach. But thanks. Thanks for coming on. I know it's, uh, Thank you know, you. your back's been acting up, so hopefully you're feeling better yeah. and we'd love to see you out there today. It's been nagging. It's been nagging, but I'm going to get it ready to go here shortly. But hey, listen, I want to tell everybody too. Thank you very much for being a part of the podcast. I know, uh, I want everyone to know that this is just our opinion. You know, you got your opinion. I got my opinion and I respect your opinion. I just don't get the chance to hear it enough. So I can learn from you and I hope you can learn from me and together. We can do a good job. So, Brian, again, thank you very much. Right. Thanks, Coach. And uh, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, like Coach said. Just sharing our opinions. We go out and practice, watch things, talk to people, and share what we think of, of what's going on around the world of USC football. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll have Dan Weber on this week and maybe try to get Gerard Martinez on as well. So, we'll try to do some more shows. Of course, you can check us out on the peristylepodcast.com and on uscfootball.com. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, Concert, Sports, and Theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.